Blog Talk Radio. Everybody and welcome to Golf Talk Live. I'm your host Ted Odorico, and welcome to another uh, Thursday evening uh, live here on the BlogTalkRadio.com network. And I apologize the um, opening uh, music, if you will, seemed to have a little bit of uh, sickness tonight or something. I don't know what was going on there, but it didn't seem to be coming out too well. But I'm glad you joined me, anyways, and I appreciate uh, you coming back uh, each and every week and, and sharing. Uh, with me on, on the Thursday night programs here on Golf Talk Live. Got a great show for you tonight. Very, very excited, actually. Uh, this is, as I've been sort of leading up here uh, in previous weeks, this is the first uh, evening uh, for 2016 that we're going to have the Coach's Corner panel back. And uh, we've got uh, one of them waiting in the wings here, just waiting for the other one. Hopefully everything's going to be okay tonight. Uh, Tim Kramer is, is on the line with me here. And hopefully joining us very, very shortly is going to be Michelle uh, Tamarchi. But before I bring... Uh, Tim on and, and Michelle. I just want to remind everybody, uh, as I said, uh, we are live every Thursday night from 6 to 8 p.m. Central. Uh, we're only going to have an hour show tonight. I'm not going to have a, a guest following uh, the Coach's Corner tonight. Uh, I decided not to have one, uh, being that this was the uh, the first uh, panel discussion that we're going to have uh, for the new year. And uh, But uh, next week, of course, after Coach's Corner, we, I will have uh, some guests uh, the weeks following. But uh, this week I decided to, to cut it a little bit shorter. Um, always glad that you can join me. Uh, if you're looking to find us, if, uh, obviously if you're here, you know where we are. But uh, for those of you who are not uh, sure, go to blogtalkradio.com and up in the search key type Golf Talk Live, and that will take you to the main uh, page for the program. And uh, always during the live broadcast on Thursday night, the uh, current show, the current broadcast, if you will, is always at the top of the page. And for some reason, if you're not able to join us during the live broadcast, uh, just go to blogtalkradio.com forward slash Golf Talk Live and scroll down to the on-demand section, uh, and all of the programs, of course, are auto-recorded. So if you miss us during the live broadcast, not a problem. Uh, you can go back and listen to any of the previously aired shows uh, when it's convenient for you. Uh, you can also uh, get uh, the show on uh, iTunes at iTunes.com. Go to the podcast section. Again, type Golf Talk Live, and that will take you there uh, to all of the shows as well. And it's also available at Stitcher.com. So make sure that you go to either of those uh, if you're not joining us here. And as most of you know, I'm uh, all over social media on Facebook and Twitter. Uh, go to Facebook.com forward slash Golf Talk Live blog. Make sure you have blog on there. Uh, keep the show regularly updated there each and every week, uh, as well as many, many of the golf groups in there. Of course, uh, I, I post through all, pretty much all of the golf groups uh, through Facebook as well, just to keep everybody updated. And you can also follow me on Twitter at Ted and Buck CEO, and that's CEO in capital letters uh, for those of it that want to follow me on Twitter. And thank you for some of the recent followers, uh, followers excuse me, here uh, in the past few weeks. Um, so remember to tune in every Thursday from 6 to 8 p.m. Central Standard Time. That's 7 to 9 uh, p.m. Uh, on Eastern uh, Standard and 4 to 6 
for those of you in Pacific time. Um, and uh, normally what we do this time of year, when I bring back the Coach's Corner panel, the first hour, of course, is the panel discussion. And then uh, normally, except for this evening, I normally have a guest that follows uh, that uh, the second hour. But tonight we're just going to have the Coach's Corner panel. Uh, as I mentioned, I have two guests uh, on tonight. One's here with me right now, so I'm going to bring him out here and not keep him waiting any longer. Uh, his name, of course, is Tim Kramer. He has been on the show a number of times, uh, both as a guest and also on some of our panel discussions. And he is the president and founder of Spirit of Golf uh, LLC. Uh, he's a visionary uh, peak performance coach and consultant based out of Stewart, Florida, uh, and really an, an in, has an innovative uh, and pioneering mind-body coaching technique uh, program that uh, really allows not just the athletes, but also non-athletes access their peak mind uh, states for greater success and joy in both life uh, and, and golf life as well. And he's also, just uh, wanted to mention here tonight as well, that he is also the peak performance mind coach for Club Med Academies as well. That's also an, another position that he uh, carries. So, uh, Tim, welcome to uh, Golf Tech Live. Thanks, Ted. Thanks for having me. Uh, I, I'm always uh, glad to have you, and as I mentioned, uh, Michelle hopefully is going to be joining us here shortly. I'm hoping there's not a problem, and otherwise, uh, as I said to you off air, it'll be you and I tonight uh, for the next well, hour. But... I'm sure we'll find. I'm sure we will find a way to fill up the hour. Yeah, I'm, I'm quite certain. If, if if you don't, I know I will. So, um, but Tim, <laughs> let me just do. Let me just let me just do this uh, since I just mentioned that uh, uh, that you've got a, a new position to add uh, under your under your cap. Um, let's just take this opportunity while we wait to see if Michelle's going to be joining us here in the next few minutes uh, to give you an opportunity to talk about this new position with Club Med, explain how this sort of came yeah. about and, and what's going to be involved in it. Yeah, well, what happened, uh, Ted, was I was asked to uh, come in. Uh, Club Med Academies is actually uh, it's a uh, it's an academy program for juniors throughout the world. Most of our uh, golf students actually are uh, international students who come to the United States. They're they're educated at the academies, and uh, then we also have a, a golf program where they uh, play and practice uh, six days a week. And so they really are coming in to groom themselves. Uh, well, certainly for college scholarships, but also a lot of them will go on to play to attempt to play professionally. So uh, Club Med was interested in bringing them in for the golf uh, the golf academy. And once they kind of got to know me, they've also got uh, a tennis academy there, which is actually a bigger academy, and a volleyball academy. And so um, they recognized very quickly that the mind skills that I coach are as applicable to athletes in any sport uh, as much as golf. And so I have the privilege of just, you know, working with a lot of uh, a lot of really, really talented young athletes um, very physically gifted in many ways, but but minds that are kind of bouncing all over the place in many right. cases, and so that's what I really am in there to do is just help them with their um, uh, their focusing skills, but also their emotional management skills, which I think, as you know, uh, is right. kind of my specialty is the emotional mm -hmm. management stuff. Yeah, and that's that's something, and that's we're going to get into the conversation here in just a few moments. As I said, I'm going to give a few more moments here to see uh, if Michelle is going to. Sure. And I suspect probably what's happened is, as we were talking off the air, uh, you know, I, I certainly understand that a lot of uh, you know you professionals have uh, a day job, and, and sometimes uh, things run a little bit longer than, than anticipated. So uh, that obviously takes first priority. So sometimes I understand people can be late, and sometimes they they uh, are unable to show up at all. So. Uh, certainly I, I don't harbor any ill will towards Michelle if that is the case. So 
um, we'll, we'll just uh, proceed as as uh, as we we see that uh, we need to here. Well, uh, just... you know, and 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 I guess I'm interrupting a little here, but you no. know, it's it's really not a lot different than the ball that goes in the rough or in the bunker or whatever. Right. You just learn to deal with it, and if we can't deal yeah. with it effectively, uh, if it's throwing us off then we're in big trouble. And so <laughs> yeah. it really does move into that acceptance that, you know, um, right. just an acceptance that if this is the way it is, this is the way it is, it's a great opportunity for any of us to just uh, stay, you know, stable and, and move on. And, and so uh, it happens whether it's on the golf course or not on the golf course. Exactly. Well said. All right, let's let's do this, Tim. Um, as I mentioned, uh, again, a little bit to you off air, what, what I wanted to cover tonight um, being that it's early in the year, I mean, we, here we are, we're March 3rd, uh, we're moving very quickly, very rapidly actually into spring. And, and even though it really, you know, throughout the U.S., it really has not been what we would classify as a traditionally hard winter. Of course, there has been, you know, the odd storm here over the last uh, month or so that's come through in certain areas. But really, if, if you look at it, it, it's been quite warm and quite mild uh, through most, even some of the northeastern states for quite a while. So a lot of people didn't really go into hibernation mode, if you will, that they traditionally do in the winter months. Um, so people are, are, are either maybe have already been playing golf or thinking, certainly thinking about golf and looking to get out there. Yeah. So this is what I want to talk about uh, really tonight. Uh, and I, I guess until Michelle either comes in or, or I'll just pick it up, I'm going to talk a little bit about the physical aspects of the game. But I also want to talk about how our thoughts, feelings, and emotions affect uh, not only off the golf course, but but also on the golf course. So the first question I want you to, to answer for me, Tim, if you will, and just maybe talk a little bit about um, with the audience is first off is what is energy and how do we tap into that energy to really affect us on and off the golf course? Just give sort of a brief description, really what our energy our core energy is and how it can help us out in the golf course. Yeah, that's, it's a great question. In some ways it's an interesting question and one that's a little bit, uh, slippery to define, but the way yeah. I look at energy uh, is I look well, no, but I look at I look at energy in terms of of our emotions, or maybe it's maybe it's that sense of beingness that we all have uh, inside right. of us that some some would define as consciousness itself, but it's just that that knowing that um, that we kind of all exist on some level, and I guess that uh, uh, the, what we know now even scientifically is in the big shift of course is that everything in the universe now is energy and so uh, it's it's our ability to tap into that energy that really defines uh, our internal sense of power uh, that's a, again it's a it's it's a slippery slope but that's maybe the best explanation that I have of what energy is Right. Um, emotion is certainly energy. Uh, in fact, we say that that emotion is energy in motion, and it's it's what we feel inside of the body. And so, it's uh, if you took a cell, for example, the cells of the body literally vibrate at different frequencies based upon whether we're happy or sad, and that's why happiness feels very different inside the body and the cells of the body, the muscles and the joints, than does anger and frustration. So it really is just energy bouncing around inside of the body, I guess, is the best explanation I've got. Right, and and, and that's beautifully said. And, and, and the reason why I wanted to, to ask you that question, one, I knew you would know the answer, but but also, I think a lot of people, and I'm going to talk a little bit about that here in just a moment, but you know, a lot of people really misunderstand 
um, and, and confuse really what some of the components of golf and, and being able to play good golf. They, they assume it's always about the swing and it's always about the mechanics. Sure. And that's where they spend sure. probably 90% of their effort. And I think this is sure. why so many amateurs struggle is because there's a lot more to, to golf. I mean, if you think about some of the best players that have ever played this game, like Nicholas, uh, and I use him as an example because he's probably one of the best examples in the past, that really tapped into their inner energy and really f- their focus yeah, and their emotion yeah. and, and use yeah. that emotion to his advantage when he went around the golf course. And that doesn't mean that he was, you know, whipping clubs. I don't mean that kind of emotion, but he had tapped, he, he no, tapped into no. that emotion and was able to, even in situations where um, maybe things didn't go his way, he was able to use the emotions that he conjured up to be able to help him recover and, and yeah. get back into the game, if you will. And a lot of people misunderstand that that ability and that, that effect and how important that is to their golf game. So let me just talk about a couple of things on the physical side, and then I've got another question um, that's going to pertain specifically to that area that I want you to, to get into a little more depth, if you will. Um, one of the questions I had for Michelle, of course, was uh, really to give us some tips about how to sort of loosen up for the season um, for those that, as I said, that maybe did do a little hibernation this winter. One of the biggest mistakes that I've seen over the years with some of the, the uh, corporate types, particularly that I've worked with over the years, is they, they tend to, you know, especially up in the Northeast, they, they push the golf clubs aside. They don't get out there and they don't uh, really do too, many, too much activities. They're just sort of sitting there at their desk at work or they're sitting there, you know, in that comfy chair at home uh, in front of the television, certainly watching the golf channel or listening to other programs, but they're not engaging a lot of their muscles um, and what ends up happening is a lot of these muscles tighten up and, uh, and, and constrict and, and just don't get a lot of use. So what I always suggest people do is if you're not going to get out there and swing a golf club, there's a lot of different very simple exercises that we've talked about here on the show before that you can do. Um, a very simple one is standing behind a, a chair or, or uh, something with a fairly high back, uh, resting your hands on there, and just twisting your core, keeping your feet, of course, about shoulder-width apart, which you would normally have for some of your uh, golf uh, stance, and and just sort of rotate your body to the left um, as far as you can go comfortably without putting too much stress on the body, and then back to the right. And the reason why I I say doing exercises like that is you want to be able to loosen up those muscles because, as I said, the biggest mistake that I see, Tim, with a lot of golfers out there that have been sitting in in the wings for a few months is they get out there and start swinging clubs without really loosening up first, um you know, for a little bit, and that's when the injuries start. And the worst thing you can ever happen is with those injuries right from the get-go in the season, it kind of dictates what's going to happen later on. And so there's a lot of great exercise you can do, and certainly if you belong to a gym, um, there's a lot of, you know, exercise that you can do in there, a lot of equipment that you can use. But I strongly suggest that you connect with a, a certified fitness instructor, and particularly somebody uh, in the golf industry right now, there's a lot of them out there, that are golf professionals that are also certified fitness instructors. I, I strongly suggest uh, if you want to get tuned up for this year, this upcoming season, that you contact your local uh, golf professional. And if he or she does not uh, is not certified, most of them have somebody that they know that is certified um, and can help you with golf-specific drills and tips that can help you get ready for the season. So that's what I would strongly suggest. You know, it depends on where you are and what you want to do and the abilities that you want, but that's what I suggest that people do before you get out there and start playing your rounds and start uh, swing golf clubs because 
that's going to reduce the amounts of uh, injuries uh, right from the get-go. And and I think that that's really for seasoned golfers and particularly for you uh, high handicapper uh, amateur golfers out there, you need to be looking at doing stuff like that before you get out there and uh, and playing around. Um, Tim, I want to get back to you, as I said here a moment ago, and I want you to uh, tackle this next issue. And, and one of the things that that a lot of golfers, and we see this, and I, and I want you to, to address this from both angles. I want you to address it, um, and you can do it, start either way, however you want to do it, uh, from an amateur level and also from a professional level, because I know you've dealt with both. Um, what we tell ourselves out in the golf course, does it really matter? And if so, why? Yeah, yeah, it, it's it's a great question. It's a great question. I will get to that, but but I would like to to um, just kind of concur with what you said about moving and stretching and whatever. The thing that I like to add to that, though, Ted, is that as we're sure. doing those movements, and here where I, here's where I guess I think the missing component is, we can do that with a smile on our face and make it right. fun, and we can make it uh, uh, we can make that exercising and that movement and that twisting, we can make that an enjoyable process, or we can do it with a lot of oomphing and grinding and making it hard and. And that's really, to me, introduces more tension into the body. And that's what I strongly encourage athletes not to do, is to add that kind of energy. And and the way we do that um, is really through the emotions. For example, the body does not inherently tense up by itself. The only way for the body to tense up is for uh, what I like to say bogus thinking, bogus thoughts and emotions that are going through the mind that send kind of bogus stories into the muscles and joints in the body. They do tense up and they lock up within states of tension and resistance. So so in a way, working out is not a lot different than swinging a golf club in that we can either do it with a mindset of flow and ease, or we can do it with the mindset of tension and resistance. And that purely is a mental and emotional state of mind. Yeah, exactly. Well said. Um, and, and I guess the, the reason why you know I, I raised the, 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 the points that I did is I think that a lot of people um, don't realize not only the importance of, of being physically active, but they tend to think, well, I'm, you know, I'm going to the gym two, three days a week, or whatever, the, you know, their yeah. the regimen is, you know, especially for men. And I'm going to single out guys here because this is very typical for guys. Girls are, I think, women are a little bit different. But the guys traditionally go out and they, you know, they get the weights and they're lifting the weights, and that's great to keep you toned and, and all that kind of stuff. Sure. But they're not golf specific exercises. There's a lot of exercises right. out there, right. and I mean, there's, I mean, obviously we can't show them here on, on the, uh, the air, but. Um, that's why I, I strongly met, recommend that people get in touch with a, a certified fitness instructor that specializes. Yeah, and I love that in, too. Absolutely. Yeah, in, in, Absolutely. in golf fitness right. Um, right. Uh, exercises because um, golf does use, utilize uh, certainly the big muscles, which we want to keep in shape, but there's a lot of stabilizing muscles and a lot of uh, other core muscles that don't always get used in, in certain things, but they definitely do get used in, in, in golf. And you want to make sure that you're utilizing them effectively if you want to get the maximum benefit from it. So that's why I say that there's specific golf uh, exercises out there that you do drills and so forth. And that's why I think if you're going to do it, do it right. It's worth the investment. It's worth the time. And it's worth the financial investment to to connect with. And there's a a ton of them out there. And as I said earlier as well, uh, many of the, the traditional golf professionals like myself are starting to add that to their repertoire because they're seeing a, a big need for it. 
and uh, and the ones that maybe have not gone for those certifications are partnering up with somebody who is specifically certified in that area. So that's a great way to sort of kill two birds with one stone. You get some great tips on your golf game and, and as far as the mechanics of the swing, but you can also get some great uh, tips and training, if you will, to keep yourself um, in, in tune physically uh, to be able to help your golf game as well. Um, but let, let's talk about, uh, and, and I want you to get a little more specific, if you will, um, with respect to what we tell ourselves. Because a lot of times sure. we get out in the golf sure. course, and, and, and let's differentiate what the, the professionals are, what are some of the thought processes that the professionals are dealing with uh, while they're out on tour or, or playing in some of their, their rounds, and, and then what are some of the thoughts that the amateur is dealing with and how do they differ from one another? And why do they differ? Yeah, it's a, it's yeah, no, it, it's a, it's a great question, and and by and large, I think that that if I was to just generalize a statement, I do think that professionals, at least at the, but but now really professionals at the, um, at what I would say the SymmetraWeb.com PGA and LPGA tours. When when we get down to the mini tours, um, by and large, there is a lot of self talk that is very 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 unproductive, and I would say as we move up the tour ranks certainly that self-talk becomes more productive, which which to me is everything. Um, amateurs in general, what I see, the one the one quality that I see that, that I think does not serve people well is what I call explainers. And it's almost like they feel after every shot, they just need to tell somebody what happened, what went wrong. Uh, <laughs> you know, and it's just like this this constant mind chatter that really does them no good. And the funny right. thing is, Ted, as you know, too, is that nobody really wants to hear it. Uh, um, you know, even your best <laughs> buddies are like, uh, uh, you know, they're like, hey, Mike, you know, great, but, you know, I really don't care. And and uh, uh, But it is a funny sport in that we just think we have to uh, – we just have to explain and justify and rationalize everything and 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 you don't see tour players really doing that that often if they do they might do it a little bit with their caddies but to me it's a huge energy leak that we just we really don't and and by an energy leak what i mean by that is it's no different than if you had a tank full of gasoline in your car and you just took a cup and you you filled up the cup with the gasoline and you just threw it off to the side of the road um, that would be an energy leak. And, and really we do that with our emotions too in that every time we explain or every time we, we get really upset or whatever, we're just wasting energy that we could be, you know, kind of channeling positively into our games. So that is the huge difference that I see between most amateurs, um, between, say, the average amateur and, sure. and not the champion amateur and, and tour players. That would be uh, that'd be one of the big difference uh, differences. But... Getting getting back to that question, it's one of the things that when I do group events and I and I do travel the country and do events at a lot of private clubs and things like that. But one of the first questions I always ask is why does the body move the way it does? Why when we swing a club? Why why when we you know when we swing a club? Why does the body move the way it does? And and, and invariably it comes to well the mind, uh, the mind sends it instructions and of course it sure. does. But then I ask, well, you know, why does the mind then or why does the body move either in a state of, of of ease and flow, which it loves to do, or does it get tense and resistance? And and right. really this is what I think is the missing link uh, and maybe a good reason to have this as one of the first shows of the years. But what right. we miss out on is that really the body moves 
in direct response to our emotional frame of mind. It, it moves, it correlates to our mood. So that we're, we're in a good mood, which is something that we have to get better at managing, the body really does cooperate uh, very efficiently yep. and very effectively. When we are in a bad mood, there's absolutely no way for the body to move in states of flow and ease. And, and everything we've practiced kind of goes right out the window if we're not careful. So we can have a fabulous, fabulous golf swing. But as you know, when the emotions are out of control or we're super nervous or we're angry or we're uptight or whatever, our ability even to sense in the body how we want it to move, it's it's no good. You know, it's it's interesting that you say, and, I, and I'm going to give you a few examples, and, and I know that you'll you'll know this and, and understand where I'm coming from, but uh, just to give you a few examples of exactly what you were just talking about, how your emotions sort of come into play. Um, I remember back in, um, and I'll, I'll tackle the professional side first, uh, back a few years ago when uh, Phil Mickelson's wife um, was, was battling with, with uh, some, some cancer issues. Um, yes. It was, it was very easy to see. Now, you know, obviously he is a consummate pro- professional and able to handle himself very well in the course. But I truly yes. believe that, that his mind, part of his mind, was not on the golf course. It was back you yeah. know, home with his yeah. wife and, and thinking about yeah. what she was going through, even if it was sure. on a subconscious level. And that has to right. affect uh, his performance. And for a while there, you know, he, he kind of fell off the radar a little bit. Um, and again, certainly played some phenomenal golf compared to the you know the average uh, high handicapper out there. But right. it right. wasn't up to, to Phil Mickelson's best. And I truly believe right. that that was an impact. Um, you know, go back. It would a have bit. to be. It, it would. Yeah. It would have to be because the emotions determine. Again, the emotions are the front runner to to the thoughts we think. Um, to the well, and, and it begs the question too that that you know when a song pops in your head, did yep. you choose a song or did it just pop in your head? And the answer, of course, is well, it just kind of popped in my head. Then then sure. we go to well, why did the song pop in your head when it did? And the answer every time is when you're in a good mood, happy songs are going to pop in your head. Yep. When you're in a bad mood, then you know love gone wrong songs are going to pop yeah. in or whatever. <laughs> and and the point the point being absolutely right. I mean, and I don't know what his state of mind was, but I would agree right. there were some things that appeared to be off. And of course, we never really know. And I don't want to sound no. like one of those broad, broadcasters who's just saying, well, you know, he has to be feeling this way. I, I right. guess I really never know how they're feeling. But with no. that being said, just on an energy level, there is no doubt that when we are not in a good mood, the thoughts that we have access to, and that's the way that I like to look at it. It's not that we're, yeah. we're, we're deliberately choosing the thoughts, but the thoughts that we have access to in, uh, in, in any mood is a reflection of the mood. And so, so yeah, you want you want uh, you want positive thoughts. You better be in a good mood because otherwise, you're in a bad mood. You're not even going to have access to them. Yeah, or and, to good decisions. Way, right. In another way, Tim, that I think there's sort of a the differential, um, you know, sort of differential, if you will, between the amateur and and the professional, is professionals have learned to be able to handle their emotions. And I'll give you a good example. Then I'll show you on the amateur side um, where they fail at this. Most professionals, you know, if they have a bad round or a bad hole, um, are able to, I won't say block it out, but they're able to to understand what went wrong, or at least, at the very least, they will move it aside and deal with it after the round 
out on the range yeah. or in a different forum. They're able to compartmentalize. They channel very quickly. Yeah. Exactly, rechannel very quickly. What happens to most amateurs, um, and I feel, and I'm sure you've seen this many, many times in, in your dealings, <laughs> is they will look at you know the last couple of times that they were out or maybe even last season, uh, maybe they didn't finish so strong and, and they had a lot of issues with their golf game. That now creeps into 2016, right before they've even gotten to the first tee uh, or the driving right. uh, range or practice tee. And all, right. already they're, they're playing in that, that mental Rolodex, all of those emotions from last year, all the baggage that they carried. They're not able right. to rechannel, as you say, do that. So in your estimation, based on, on what you're doing in, in some of your coaching and teaching, what are some techniques or what are some things that you're helping the students that you're working with to be able to do that more effectively, to be able to handle their emotions? What specifically yeah, yeah, do you do with yeah. them? Yeah, well, first of all, it comes with, a, it's a, it comes with an understanding uh, of, of what we call the present moment, uh, the here and now, the now, um, one shot at a time, whatever we want to call it. And the old-timers always used to call it you know, one shot at a time. I guess the buzzword now is they're, they're in the now. And and I love yeah. that because right. when we're in the now, our concept, uh, our, our ability to stay focused in the present moment, in the process, um, is what's really important. Now, now one of the gifts I think that I bring to to the students that I coach is I've had a meditation practice for about 25 years, and that's really what we do in meditation is we just keep bringing it into the now. And and the reality is you can't be immersed in the now and focused on past or future in the same moment in time. And and when you think about it, every time something comes into our field of awareness that doesn't feel good, yeah, we're dragging up the past. Now, the past doesn't really exist other than in memory, but we're still remembering right. it right now. And and when we get anxious about the future, we're way off in the weeds already. So so the solution always is bringing it back into the now, which is where all of our power is at, our ability to just get into the process, stay committed, and, and stay keep our energy and our emotions in the now. Because, yeah, if we can't do that, if we can't learn to do that, we are going to be off in the weeds because we're always going to be off in past or future. So that, that really is the training in a nutshell. Now, that's <laughs> in many cases... Yep easier said than done because we've been used to just letting our minds go crazy for how many, you know, weeks, months, years, decades, uh, yeah. half decades for some, you know, for some bit. And, and so that makes perfect sense. But yeah, yeah. The ability to, um, to stay in the now and not drag in the past is huge, but also uh, not to get too far out in front of ourselves uh, mm-hmm. One of my one of my academy uh, students on the golf team, for example, he's playing really well right now, and he came up to me the other day. His dad was there, and he said, "Yeah, I really feel like I'm going to win this weekend." And and he, he tends to get a little dramatic, which is fine. But you know, and and I I was like, uh, "Yeah, Jeffrey," I said, "That's great, and I love it that you want to win." But I said, "To me, the way you're going to win is you're going to take care of a lot of now moments, and you're going to take care right. of a lot of shots." one at a time, and then you'll add them up, and the winning will just take care of itself. Because if if you get too far out in the future with the winning and all of a sudden you got about two or three bogeys under your belt, where do you think your mind's going to go? 
oh, crap, you know, this goal, probably not going to win now. So you're already off in the weeds. And so really we just keep bringing it back to this shot, this shot, this shot. It sounds simplistic. Maybe sometimes it sounds boring. Maybe it even, you know, I don't know how it sounds, but that's where the action's at is when you take care of this shot and this shot only. It's the best shot you got at the end of the day of, of you know, putting together some, some great results. Right, exactly. Well said, and and you know, again, the reason why that I wanted to bring this, you know, sort of fruition for the first show of the season uh, on the Coach's Corner panel is I really wanted for people to understand that it's not all just about going to the to the driving range and and you know hitting golf balls. There's a lot of other things that that need to be you know if you're going through. Um, you know, difficulties with work, stresses at work, and things like that. It sure. is going to it's going to creep into your golf game, so you need to be aware of that. You need to be conscious of what's going on uh, in your environment around you, not just what you know how you're hitting it at the driving range or how you've you know right. played it on the golf right. course. Um, there are other right. factors involved, and your emotions play a key thing. And I think that you know, I think people are starting to. To slowly, I mean, certainly the professionals are. And that, I mean, that's why there's so many uh, sports psychologists and, and that available to them now, but um, and, and peak performance coaches. But you know, for the average uh, high handicapper out there, they don't have that arsenal available to them, so they they have to find other ways to, to be able to channel that. And I think this is why I wanted to, to bring this discussion tonight. And we're going to have other discussions as we go on through the year. Um, about this area again, because I, you know, it's not just something you can wrap up in in forty minutes to an hour. There's a lot of other components. Right, right. We, we don't have time to get into all of them tonight, but you know, I'm certainly uh, going to have you back in throughout the season and, and talk about some key things. And we'll have some specific, um, you know, dialogue on on what we sure. want them to do. We're, we're going to talk a little bit about that uh, here in a few moments as well to, to start things off for the year. But um, I, I want to just. Jump back very quickly, if I can, um, Tim, just to, to sort of the physical side of the game as well. Um, you know, I, I looked at golf this way, and, and I've I've watched a lot of players, um, and I'm referring to professional players, and, and I watched really how they sort of methodically work their way around the golf course. And yeah. I've narrowed it down really to four factors, and it's position, it's the approach, it's recovery, and it's scoring. And if you think about it, every hole that you play, from the first tee to the 18th hole, the first thing that any professional will do is they will look for the best position to place themselves off the tee. That's the first thing that they'll do, depending on what hole, whether it's a par 3, par 4, par 5. Again, depending on the circumstance, like to give you an example, if you had – uh, an overly long par five that the player knew based on their abilities that they couldn't reach in two, the formula may be position, position, approach, and then score. Um, in, right. in a traditional hole, it may be position, it may be approach, uh, score, or it could be recovery. And, and the reason why I have those four factors and, and why I labeled it that way is because a lot of times you might be in a situation where you've hit an errant tee shot well, it may not be conducive to approach your target, uh, even if you're within striking distance, because of a bad lie. So now you have to switch to what I call recovery mode. So how do I put myself back in the optimal position to be able to now then go for that approach shot? 
And right. a lot of people end up focusing on all of the other things that we've talked about here tonight. You know, they're focusing on the, on the um, the physical parts that they're focusing on are the swing mechanics and and right, you know right, right. and that sort of thing. And really, it, it can be watered down to a very simple thing. Now, obviously, emotions and all that comes into play. If you've hit a bad shot emotionally, you know that's going to affect you, and that has to be something that you work on as well. Um, but there are really those four factors dictate what's going to happen in each hole and how you recover and how you score. Because if you don't have those components in play, then you're not going to score. Um, right, right, right. And now, now the and, one thing, the one thing I would ahead. add to that, though, however, is that say, say your decision for the position, even on the tee, is really going to be set up by the mood that you're in. Sure. So if you're not in a good mood, if you're not in a good mood, um, for yeah. example, you're going to look out there maybe with fear as opposed to when you're right. already in the zone. Uh, which is an emotional state of mind, your ability to to pick a target is very different. So so this is where, again, I feel that, the, yeah, and I love what you're saying. Be, what yeah. you're saying, though, to me is you're defining mental processes rather than emotional processes, which I believe set up the mental processing. Um, right. Uh, so... So even even you know and and the analogy that I always give with my students too is that your frame of mind your mood is going to determine how when you walk up to a ball that's in a divot or it's plugged yep. in the bunker or whatever it's your emotions that are going to set up what's about to happen because in in the one scenario you're going to think more clearly you're going to make better decisions you're going to see possibilities in the other in the second it's like oh here we go. I can't tell you how many times. Here we go again. It always happens <laughs> yeah. to me. I always get the bad breaks. Now, all of that is really set up before you ever get to the ball by the frame of mind you're already in. So, to me, the the, the professionals are the ones who that stuff just rolls off them because they, they just see possible. They, they're better at seeing possibilities, not all of them. And right. we certainly see the you know the meltdowns and the hissy fits yep. even at the tour level every week. Yep. But but so I love what you're saying. But but to me the first cause even of that is the emotions. Right. And and just to add to that as well. And you're 100 percent right. Um, one of the interesting things, and, and I, I like I said, I, I really took a hard look at this because I found something very interesting. And again, this is not uh, I'm not saying it can't happen at the tour level. But very rarely would it happen. But it happens a lot more than you think. And I'm going to explain here in just a second uh, at the, the amateur level. And that is that the, the, the four factors that I just referenced sometimes get put in the wrong uh, context. And I'll give you an example. Yeah, sure. Um, a, a lot of players, again, if they are thinking mentally that they're going to fail off that first tee. For, for instance, if, if they think well, I'm going to hit a big old slice or I'm going to hit it into – they see the trouble. Right away, right. Instead, of thinking, instead of thinking position, they're already yeah. in recovery mode. How am I going to recover? Right. So they've already set themselves emotionally right. up to fail right off from the, from the get-go. And, and this right. is why it's, it's so important to keep your emotions in check. And this is why, as you've uh, pointed out many times tonight already, that this is what really differentiates uh, differentiates the professionals from the amateurs is they have found yes. a way to be able to harness those emotions um, yes. and channel them in such a way that even if they've had a, a, a bad hole or two and strung together, they're able to rechannel themselves back into that positive yes. mindset 
yes, to be able to absolutely. set up for in the now shot what they're dealing yes. now, not what happened you know yes. two three shots ago or two three holes ago. They're in the now and they're able to get back and say, okay, I need to get into position to be right. able to do this, or I need, and that's what I'm I'm trying to get at, and that's why I think it's so important right. that right. we understand that. Rarely do you see a tour professional follow up a bad shot with another bad shot. Right. Right. Rarely. But you, and not that right. we don't, but, but rarely do we, because it, it, there just seems to be a level of whatever there that they're not going to, it's just, you know, and it happens from time to time, but rarely do we. Right. But you know exactly what I'm talking about, though. I mean, how many times have we sure. seen, and you can tell, especially, you know, if you go up to any of your, your, your local um <laughs> golf courses and you go to that especially the first tee because everybody even the pros admit you know they're all a little bit nervous on the first tee it's understandable you got you know a crowd there and, and whatnot and you've maybe got uh, two or three golf carts slung in behind you waiting for their turn so you know there's a little bit of anxiety that takes in in route but right away you can see the the proverbial wheel in motion they're already setting themselves up for failure because they're the first thing out of their mouths they're thinking god i hope right. i don't hit it over in the rough or i hope right. i don't hit it in that right. bunker right. out there so right, right away, they're, right. they're thinking recovery as opposed to where do I need to be to p- give myself the best chance to hit my next shot and so on and so forth. And Absolutely, right? yeah. And in my world, what, what we call that is you're, you're either focused on wanted or unwanted, and you will get whatever you're focused upon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, you either are. I mean, and but do you know the difference? And and a lot of times they don't know the difference. It's like what they'll be they'll be giving lip service to middle of the fairway, but what they're energizing emotionally is oh no I'm in big trouble, and yeah. uh, uh, we that's where we tend to get what we're emotionalizing and not what we're thinking. Yeah, and, and I'll even go as far to say, um, you know, obviously on on a, on a par three, you know, they they might even throw up approach in their mind at first, but. I've even seen players, especially amateur players, where they're actually thinking score off the tee. They're thinking, oh, sure. I need to shoot yeah. so yeah. they're not even thinking. Let me let get into position. Let's get focused on the shot at, at hand. Right. They're already thinking, okay, this right. is the par four. I need to birdie this in order right. to keep my round right. going. So already they're thinking, right. you know, two or three shots ahead. Um, and, and obviously, you have to be cognizant of what what you're dealing with ahead. But at the same time, you can't be thinking score when you haven't even left the tee box right. yet. Um, well, and, 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 I've start, got, and I've got many right. tour players who are, who are thinking about what a single golf shot in a four-day tournament means, means for the tournament. You know, right. so, so they're so far off in the future. I, I agree, totally agree with what you're saying. Yeah, you, you're, 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 in a way, you're off, you're off mentally and emotionally into something that's totally, totally down the road and way outside your control. Yeah, exactly. Um, now, and one other thing I want right, exactly, and that's why I wanted to, you know to bring that up tonight because it's something that I haven't really talked about, and I'm going to get into it more. And there's a reason for it. I'm not going to uh, get into specifics tonight, but um, there's a reason why I wanted to, to to mention about those four factors because I think they're things that a lot of people um, really don't think about. You know, at our level, it's yeah. a little bit different because we're dealing with, um, and you know, somebody might use different terminology and things like that, but essentially. If you really piece around together, those four factors are, are critical, and and a lot oh, of people don't understand right. that. And and it works, of course, in, in harness with with the emotional side of, of things, of course. 
Um, but from a physical standpoint, that's really what what we need to, to get ourselves in, in, in gel with. And that's really what the professionals do. I mean, they, you know, I, we, we had, uh, Cindy and I, of course, on Tuesday, we uh, had um, one of the Symmetra Tour players, uh, Jessica Wallace, who um, is originally from, or she is from Canada. She, I think she has some residents here in the United States as well, but she's out in BC. And she was talking about a second place finish um, that she had just a few weeks ago in one of their first uh, tour events. And, you know, but the interesting thing about her is, her mental focus is as such as she wasn't thinking about, well, you know, gosh, I didn't win or, you know, I didn't string it ahead. She's thinking about what she can take away from that experience yeah, and yeah. then channel it into her upcoming events, what she needs to work on, what changes she needs. Right. To make. So she took, and I certainly, hey, listen, come in second place at, at a, a major tour event is certainly nothing to sneeze at, but from a tourist uh, professional standpoint, of course, they want to win. That's their goal is to win the tournament. But they're going to sure. take a second or even a third if they have to. But what they're going to do is they're not going to look at that as a failure, um, right. which many club golfers will do if they don't win their, their you know, their club uh, tournament or they're, they're not winning, uh, you know, in their foursome, they're, you know, in, in, in last right. place, what have you. Right. They're, they're looking at it as a failure and, and not taking the, the key components from what has happened there and then – using that as a positive to, to move forward. And that's where I think a lot of the um, players get stuck. But let me just very quickly here, and then I want to get back because there's some things that uh, I want you to discuss here tonight uh, while we have time. Um, one of the other things, too, on the physical side, and, and I'm certainly no expert of it. I've, I've certainly done my fair share of it. Um, but uh, I've had a number of guests on the show that, uh, that specialize in yoga. One of them was, of course, Catherine Roberts, who most people know sure. if you've ever watched the Golf Channel. Uh, great young lady. Uh, yoga has really become a big part of sports. Um, it's not just uh, coming into golf, but it's it, uh, many. Uh, she deals with many uh, NFL teams as well as uh, MLB, uh, which of course is Major League Baseball teams, that are begun to use yoga to improve their uh, athletes' performance. And there's a lot of benefits from yoga. And I certainly am not an expert, so I'm not going to get into all this. But that is another area as well. And golf has started to jump on that bandwagon. People are starting to see the benefits that yoga does. It's a, it's a great relaxation tool, which, again, goes back to the emotional side of things. But it's also uh, great physically because it, it helps in, with a lot of great stretching and a lot of great movements. It, it actually... Um, I've talked to a number of people that specialize, including Catherine. One of the great things that yoga does uh, is because of the movements going from one pose to the next, and and with that fluidity, it, it is something that you can uh, channel, as you if if you will, into the golf swing because it is a, a sequence of movements, and the more fluid you are in those movements the more effective your swing is going to be. Like, and Tim, you know yourself, you've watched some, some uh, less than stellar players out there who um, they're very herk, uh, jerky in their movements. It's not very fluid. <laughs> right. and, and ultimately, right. as you said, they're hitting in the weeds or they're hitting in the bunkers or what have you. Um, and, and this is something. So, uh, again, I'm going to defer to the experts out there, uh, somebody like uh, Catherine Roberts, and there's many, many others out there that I've had, uh, and some of the names, unfortunately, I apologize, escaped me at the moment, but but she's uh, certainly a prominent one in the, in the game. Um, this is something that you want to get involved with as well, I think, from a physical standpoint. It will definitely help. It certainly helped my game. It's helped me feel better, number one. It's helped yeah. me uh, yeah. stretch better. Uh, I can't enough. So, uh, again, speak to your, your, your local uh, teach professional, they may or may not be involved in it 
Um, go online. As I said, Catherine Roberts is a great one. Um, and really engage in that and learn more about it and get involved in that because, I, I, again, yoga is something that is coming into sports at a very rapid pace. Uh, I just talked to somebody else the, the other day, and, and again, the name uh, escapes my mind, but they're now transitioning not just in golf but into other major sports as well um, because they're, again, recognizing the advantage for their athletes. So a lot of the teams at the collegiate level as well as the professional level are recognizing the, the uh, benefits um, of the using. Yeah, very, very much so because the other thing, the, the other beautiful thing, uh, several beautiful things with, with yoga, and I know Catherine and she is, she's just exceptional with what she does, but it really requires you to focus and, and even to stay yep. in a position um, you have to you have to be able to manage the breath, and you have to be able to yep. use the breath to manage the focus. And so, it's really an incredible practice. The other one that I'm very very much in favor of is Tai Chi. I, I think that right. Tai Chi is another is another movement practice that really takes a high level of focus and calmness and and breathing. And so, I think either of those practices, from a physical sure. standpoint, uh, are just are just incredible incredible for for athletes in general. Absolutely, as is you know, as is meditation. Yeah, as is yep. meditation, because there again, that's a stopping of the resistant thoughts, and that really add to the tension and resistance in the body. So, I think any three of those practices. Now, meditation, of course, is less physically active, but nonetheless, still. Uh, a huge, huge benefit to to mental and emotional focus. Now, one of the things that you talked about, and, and again, you're you're 100 percent right, and uh, and thank you for those thoughts. Um, on your website, uh, Tim, you you talk about the need to tell yourselves both pre and post shot uh, during those routines yeah. to be able to play yeah. your best yeah. golf. So let, let's take yeah. it obviously pre shot, um, and again. We'll we'll leave the pros out here for now. Let, let's because we're really we're here to help the amateurs um, tonight. Sure, sure. Let's so, talk well, about what, well, what, what I, I, that brings up a great point though. Is that is that this is what I think a lot of people don't realize is that say you take an emotion of frustration, I promise you that a professional who's frustrated that that emotion of frustration is no different than what an amateur feels. Frustration is frustration no matter what level you're at. It is a human emotion. So don't think don't think that the amateurs get more frustrated or less frustrated. I mean if you're if you're frustrated, you're frustrated. So we have to keep that in mind. We can't just assume that, you know, just because your talent level, your skill level is not as high, you're going to deal with emotions. You may you may have trained your mind differently to not, you know, let those emotions affect you as much. But hey, if you're feeling them, it does not matter what what level you're at. Yeah, exactly. And and I think that again, it goes back to really the theme that we've been talking about here tonight. Uh, you know, really is the, the emotions. It's amazing. And, and and I think as you get older, Tim, I think you know as I've you know started creeping up the the ladder of age. Um, you know, <laughs> I, I I see. And listen, we're all getting there, unfortunately. But um, you know. I always I was joking around the other day with somebody and we were talking about um you know it, that old adage that you know if I if I knew then what I know now 
And right, you know, right. you do, when you're 20, you know, when you're in your teens or your 20, uh, early 20s, that you don't really, it doesn't really sink in for most people. Right. Um, but right. as you start to get up into your, you know, maybe your 40s, 30s, you start to become a little bit self-aware. But when you particularly start getting your 40s and 50s and beyond, um, you become very self-aware and you start to understand what that really means. And, sure. um, you know, so sure. it, it's just kind of interesting. Let me just, uh, before we continue on, and I'm I'm guessing here, but I think um, uh, Michelle may, may finally be here. So let me just see if I can, uh, I believe this is her. Let me bring her on. Hi, good evening, and welcome to Golf Talk Live. Is this Michelle? Yeah, this is Michelle. Hi, Ted. Hi, how are you doing? Michelle, let me just very quickly, um, b- before we continue on, let me just let everybody know, um, and I, I kind of suspect something here, and, I, and I'll mention it in a minute, but uh, uh, joining us uh, with uh, with Tim and I is, of course, Michelle Tremarchi, who's a PGA, LPGA Class A professional. Uh, she's also a, a golf fitness professional, uh, TPI certified. Uh, she's also uh, YGF certified yoga golf uh, professional and also uh, U.S. Kids certified instructor. And she's been recognized by Golf Magazine as one of the top 100 teachers in the Northeast uh, region. And Golf uh, for Women uh, Magazine has also recognized her as one of the top 50 teachers in the country. Uh, Michelle, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Now, Appreciate what I was going to say, not a problem. What I was going to say is I think I, I think I understand now. I wasn't sure if maybe you would been delayed uh, with some things going on at work, but I suspect that there may have been confusion with the time because um, you're on Eastern time, correct? I am in California, so that okay. That's yeah. That's probably that's probably yeah. That's probably what it was. Um, okay. <laughs> yeah, because you're you're coming a little bit late. Hey, but that's that's not a big deal. Um, okay. Michelle, let me Uh-oh. let me um, no 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 problem. Tim, let me just pause for a second with you, and we'll get back to what we were sure, talking sure, about. Absolutely. I, I want to give. Michelle, an opportunity here. Um, two things. Michelle, first off, I, um, I don't know if you were able to catch any of the show yet or not, but uh, I just talked a few minutes ago uh, about yoga, and uh, hopefully I did it justice. And um, But maybe you could touch a little bit about um, some of the benefits of yoga and why, to especially some of the high-handicap golfers out there, why they need to really seriously consider bringing yoga into their, into their lives and, and how it's going to help their game. Well, uh, the yoga uh, does a lot. I think it covers all aspects uh, of the body, uh, where a lot of the weight training is centered more on strength training. And the yoga is more um, flexibility, which is obviously more increasing range of motion, uh, reducing swing faults, which is something that a lot of people lose as they get older is their flexibility. So I... and. Uh, I think a lot of people think that they need to train with the weights as opposed to um, combining it with flexibility. We definitely need both the strength and the flexibility. But the strength, I think, needs to come more from the isometric, just the old adage that we used to do a long time ago. It was just uh, weight-bearing exercises as opposed to so that you're building long, lean muscles. Uh, to create more um, increasing the endurance and uh, developing the lean muscle so that you're able to move more efficiently with more fluidity as well. And then we bring in the, the balance, of course. Mm. Uh, as we get older, we lose that. And I think the the first thing that we're introduced when we do play golf is our feet. And a lot of yep. people don't... don't um, relate to that they relate to the golf club in their hands 
So if you can just get more awareness with grounding and more connected to the ground, uh, it's amazing how they the rest of the swing starts to to build from there. As I always say, you want to build the foundation first so that you have the stability to create a better golf swing. And, and let me just uh, yeah, let me just add something here too, because obviously um, for those that may not know about your sort of background and history, um, you obviously competed uh, in in other areas outside of golf. Tell a little bit about what you used to do, and you know what I'm referring to, um, as far as weight training and things like that. I mean, you were very competitive in that end. Uh, explain you know a little bit what you used to do, um, and why compared to some of the things that you just talked about that it may like for instance i'll give you an example and we talked about tim and i talked about this briefly earlier when i was mentioning some different physical things um a lot of men particularly spend a lot of time in the gym with weight training that you know trying to bulk up those muscles and that's not always conducive to to playing great golf because it's not really working on the areas so i know you used to do a lot of uh, physical training that uh and and competing and so forth and that which was great for what you were doing but how does it how does it help or is there some areas that maybe hurt a little bit um, for golf and, and are there exercises that you could um, give people to do um, based on your experience that would be more golf related? Yeah. As far as competing is, is with more just weights. And um, if you're comparing it to golf, you're dealing with more stability, mobility, Yep. So we're trying to get more of the lower body stable, the upper body mobile. Um, so exercises like lunges and then taking a golf club in your hands and then rotating the top of the body so that your body is stable on the bottom. But you're also building strength and balance in the lunge itself as opposed to working on rotary motion up top. Um, so stuff like that is important. And then cables, you're using a lot of cables as opposed to heavy weights. Right. And I think they even had an article, or I was just looking at something where they're saying, I think the golfers are getting too big now. And I think yep. they've over-exaggerated the weight training, where now they're too bulky and not enough fluidity yep. as far as uh, being mobile. And so you need to be more in a functional fitness as opposed to just weights. And if you look at the the uh, trend now with, with the workouts and stuff, they're going back to the functional fitness as opposed to weight training uh, overall right. just for people because people need to be more mobile. People are sitting. People are in their chairs. They're in computers. They're on their phones. Their necks are all screwed up. And um, yep. the same with and the golfers are the same. So, um, so well, and, and I – Sorry, go, go ahead. ahead. Well, what I was going to say is the the reason why I said that is because I, I know that you um, have been, and, and I know you still are in, in, in many respects, but, you know, you were you were very involved in weight training in that. And, and as you just eloquently put, that a lot of the players they're starting to see now that have, you know, maybe done too much weight training uh, is not necessarily the best thing for their golf game. And that doesn't mean that you can't do some weight training and, and find a, a happy balance. But I think you're right. I think they're starting to see now that that some of, the, especially these young players that have gotten out there and really, you know, hitting the the, the trailers, the you know, the the um, fitness trailers, and that hard and heavy, that um, some of them might be overdoing a little bit and not really focusing on the key. And I think there's there's obviously different exercises that pertain to the golf swing that are more golf related than fitness related. I mean, they're both 
certainly going to help Correct. you fitness-wise, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, and then I'm going to bring Tim back in as well because Tim, I don't, I don't want to leave you out in the in the, in the tumbleweeds there, but um, I want to just give Michelle just a few moments here extra if I can. Um, but Michelle, just maybe talk about some other things that, um, or, or maybe misconceptions is maybe a better way to put it that a lot of people have. Um, you know, as I, I tried to explain in the beginning, a, a lot of people go to the gym and think that they're doing something that's going to help them down the road uh, with their golf game, but maybe it's it's counterintuitive or counterproductive. So what would you suggest that, that the average, you know, man or woman out there, if they're going to go and, and belong to a fitness club or something like that, what should they do if they want to help their golf game and what should they try to stay away from um, that's really not going to give them any benefit on the golf course? Well, first of all, is is like you were saying, is the specific golf. There's specific golf exercises that do that correlate to fitness and specifically to golf, which does both. And I think you know, if someone is educated in TPI or or any of right. that, that has a little bit of golf background, can help with that. Um, that's number one. But uh, overall, general is is more or less working on the core, which is, I think, mm-hmm. a lot of your, as we call it, the engine of the swing, is probably a, a big key as far as holding the whole uh, rotational, trunk rotation and core strength, but it's also going to support your back, which is the number one injury in golf. Right. So a lot of planks for your abs. A lot of people think crunches, you know, that's a myth. Um, crunches do not strengthen your stomach they actually hurt your back so doing a plank or bridges would be much better and much more beneficial in building your core and rotational than a crunch right so so then then basically you're um i like balance and visualization so you're dealing with the mental and the focus as well so that you're teaching them not only balance but also how to focus and um create more of um, target-oriented as opposed to thinking so much on their their swing mechanics. Right. Uh, so balance and balancing, anything to do with balance is, is great too. I think that's huge in posture is, is, is really big too in the setup. Um, so if you're dealing with, um, you know, like in yoga we do cat-cow poses, uh, which is, uh, the spine and a lot of the yoga is opening up the spine and lengthening the spine, and that's what the golfer needs because your your spine compresses as you're swinging. Yeah. And so if you're not lengthening, then your that's where your injuries start to occur. So, you know, a lot of that. Well, um, well and also so. too, you know, as you mentioned earlier, you know, a lot of people, especially in today's uh, environment, a lot of people are maybe working at a desk you know, whether it be in a cubicle or in an office. And, you know, that's obviously long-term is not good for your spine either. So there's a lot of great exercise and things out there for, for lengthening and, and, and getting it back into, you know, its proper position. Um, Tim and I have been talking about here tonight, um, and, and as I mentioned at the beginning of the program, what I really wanted to focus on here for the first um, Coach's Corner segment um, to start the year off was really on, on the physical side of the game. So it worked out great, Michelle, that, that you were going to be joining us. Um, but also, we, you know, Tim and I have been talking out here for the last little while about how our thoughts and feelings and emotions affect um, both on and off the golf course. And we've been talking about different uh, aspects. 
um, you know, both mentally and and, uh, and physically, but uh, particularly how the emotions uh, can affect things setting up. So, Tim, I want to bring you back in here real quick because we were we were sort of on a, a thought process here. We talked about the the sort of the pre-shot uh, routine and, and that sort of thing, yeah. and yeah. what they tell about. So let's let's flip it over now and let's get back to that um, formula here and let's talk about the post-shot. So we've you know we've hit our shot yeah. now. What what are we what are we telling ourselves at this point, or what should we be we telling ourselves? Yeah. Well, well, what I try to do when I work with a, a student is is I try to uh, figure out um, if there are what I call energy leaks. Is it in the pre-shot? Is it during the swing itself? Is that where the emotional breakdown is at or, or the distractions at, or is it in the post-shot? Now, the pre-shot would be that they step into a shot and they're nervous or they're scared or they're angry or, or whatever it might be. Well, that's the area we would focus on first to get the emotions stable. Um, I have a lot of my, my tour players and many tour players who actually leak most of the energy during the swing itself. And they tend to be the more mechanical players, that something doesn't feel right, say, at the top or during the transition or or at impact or whatever, whatever. And so that might be the place where they kind of emotionally um, get distracted or freak out. And then we've got the third group, which is post-shot routine. Those are the ones who tend to be pretty volatile, and they have a hard time just accepting the shot for what it is. So right. in the work that I do, it's really uh, it's identifying what I call the energy leak area. And they're really all interrelated. I mean, if you get mad enough after enough missed golf shots, well, it's going to be hard to get into the proper space in the pre-shot routine. Um, if you're in a bad mood, you're going to be more susceptible during the swing itself to finding faults and criticizing yourself. And, and so they're all interrelated, but everybody primarily has that one area that, that I work to identify, and that's where we do the emotional reshifting process. So uh, uh, ideally what I like to say is that, is that a player has just really, really high, uh, high expectations and eagerness that something great is about to happen, and then they have total acceptance of whatever it is because you hit the ball and it's too late. Let's get into that good space, go find it, hit it again. Yeah, and, and that really brings back to the point that we talked about a little while ago where, you know, especially with some of the higher handicappers where they'll get in a situation, they'll hit maybe a bad shot or two, and they're they're it's like dead weight. They're dragging it with them in, into their right. round as they continue on, and they're right. not rechanneling their their efforts um, and and right. learning from that experience and and you know continuing on as, as the the pros do. Um, and, and speaking of navigating, Michelle, I, I want to ask you this as well because I know that you work with a lot of um, different students, um, both male, female, and as well as juniors. Um, Talk about, if you will, maybe a little bit about, you know, and you can use specifics if you want, if you've got somebody in mind that you want to reference. I mean, you don't necessarily have to give their name, but uh, if you're working with a particular student, um, what are some things that you try to do to help them navigate around the golf course? Because as, as you know, Michelle, as, as a, a teaching professional, that one of the biggest mistakes that a lot of amateurs make is they're spending a lot of time, uh, you know, practicing on the range, hitting ball after ball, but they're not really getting out there and 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 getting enough real-time playing experience, even if it's just a few holes. They don't have to necessarily play 18 all the time, but just getting out there and actually putting some of those fundamentals to work uh, in a, in a real-life situation and not just, you know, uh, sort of raking the golf ball over and, and hitting one after another on the range. So how do you work, uh, you know, what are you doing specifically with some of the students that you're working with 
to help them focus and, and navigate their way um, through the golf course. Well, it's a good point because I was going to bring that up as far as uh, breathing. Um, mm-hmm. And that's, again, what we do in yoga as far as breathing relieves a lot of tension and lets energy flow. And I, I guess an example would be, like you said, we do we do a lot of time with teaching and and uh, working on the swing and the swing where there's there's so much more to it than just swinging. And this lady that I've brought in from a 40 handicap is down to a two handicap now, and it's mm. been about uh, she's we're in our 14th year now, and she's finally made it to the club championship and has won wow. three times. Um, so it's been a been a nice, you know, just to see the building of, of from from beginning to end. But now we're in that point where you're saying it's just it's it's in her head and it's totally mental now. And every time that she would get to the finals, she would fall apart or she would get sick. Or and I'm like I just trying to figure it out. So what I did to win her first competition was I'm just going to give her the breathing exercises, which is part of the pre-shot routine that Tim was discussing. Mm-hmm. And to incorporate behind the ball, taking a breath, inhaling, exhaling, you step in, you set up to the ball, inhale, exhale, and then you would go. And it was it's it's kind of like the analogy to the tennis player when they're grunting and they're, you know, people are like, why are they grunting? But that's all exhale and exhale. And that's just releasing a lot of the tension so that basically there's more flow and more fluidity to the swing. So you get rid of the nerves and there's more blood flow. Um, and then in turn, that creates a better focus and visualization because the breathing's all in, incorporated to that body and mind connection. And so then basically your swing can come out and play because you're out of your own way, basically. Right. And you're just allowing things to flow at that point. Um, and then, you know, focusing more on the target and less on the golf swing. Um Focusing more on the positive, if they're coming up to, you know, a water, uh, a hole with water on it, you're focusing and elevating your eyes up above, maybe the flagstick, where you're aware of the water, but you're not focusing on the water. So your end result becomes the target rather than the last word in your head is the water. Uh, so so kind of working a lot of that mentally um, into their game. And, and you know, one of the things, too, um, that Tim and I had talked about earlier, and I had mentioned that, you know, one of the, the big problems that a lot of amateurs have is they will tend to um, sort of get ahead of themselves. Now, every example, I, I, I discussed um, what I call the four factors of, of golf, and that is position, um, approach, uh, recovery, and scoring. And a lot of amateur golfers particularly, and this kind of sounds like your your player here was doing that, is, um, you know, when she would get into a, a position where, you know, maybe she had the lead or, or what have you, um, suddenly her, her mental focus was shifting to the point where now the nerves were getting in and, and, and so forth. So how do you encourage or what do you try to do? I mean, obviously, certainly the breathing can help in that, but are, are there things that you encourage them to say to themselves if you will, and Tim and I want you to chime in here as well in a moment. Um, you know, when a player gets in that, obviously, you know, they're going to start off with the breathing to kind of calm the nerves down that, but are, are there sort of mental cues that you try to encourage them to, to sort of say to themselves, if you will, uh, when they find themselves in that position? 
Yes, a lot of it, you know, is target. Um, it's mm-hmm. maybe one or two words, no more than, than that. I have right. people that sing songs during the rounds that really help yeah. them, you know, like verses and uh, things that don't even uh, pertain to golf. And, right. You know, that's helped a lot, just, you know, like some, <laughs> they're, the, again, the same lady, she has her mantra, a swing, set, go, you know, and this mm-hmm. is kind of a thing that she plays on the range, and she just has that going as she's practicing. And then as she goes on to the course, it's already in into her head. Um, just that little saying uh, that she she plays. Um, but I think it has to come with them as far as a creative word right. or, or sense, even feel. I always try to have people feel uh, the golf swing as opposed to thinking of any part of the mechanics of it. You know, some people may feel within, you know, as far as their tempo or a relaxation feel. As we do in yoga, and when I do the last part of it, the quartz pose is the relaxation of everything that you've, you've done throughout the the uh, class, and then at the end you just relax. And a lot of, if you can get people to get into that relaxed state, and it's more of a meditational state and to train the mind more of um, it's more of just quieting the mind with no thoughts. <laughs> I know that's hard to say, but a lot of that comes right. through meditation and you have to work on it and you definitely have to practice. You can't just tell someone, okay, think this, think that. So, so a lot of the meditation and the breathing that I do through the yoga classes helps them visualize. But then when they take it on the course, they can get to that same sensation that they were when they were just laying there for five minutes. Right. And, and Tim, let so me ask you It's a different way to look at it. I know it's... <laughs> right. No, no, you know, no. And you're, you're, you're exactly right. And, and, that, and, and well said, by the way. It, you know, you're exactly right. Is, you know, you have to find something. Uh, it's very interesting. Uh, uh, Cindy Miller, of course, who I know you know, uh, she's an LPGA professional. She's played uh, not only on the LPGA Tour, but the Legends Tour. And she's obviously a phenomenal teacher as well up in the northeastern part. Mm-hmm. But uh, her and I were, were talking on um, my other program, the Women of Golf, um, one day. I think it was, might have been last year. I'm not sure. but and And we had a guest on, and we were talking about this very thing about, you know, keeping focused and all this kind of thing. And and she, th- there was an interesting story that came out in the conversation about Annika Sorenstam. And Tim, this is what I want you to, to sort of um, expand on a little bit. But one of the problems that Annika said that she had was particularly when she was playing in a major because it was a little bit, you know, more amped up than, than some of the average uh, tournaments that she played in because that was where her focus was on, on the majors, is that she didn't know how to shut herself off in other words, what would happen is, I mean, it was shot, 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 shot. And in between the shots, she didn't know what to do with herself. So her mind would just keep racing, you know, and and not allowing herself to sort of calm down. So, Tim, I know that you've had this experience working with a lot of uh, professional golfers, um, you know, whether it be junior or, or, or more seasoned players. Um, what do you do in a case like that where you get a player that's that's so focused on, on what they're doing that they're they're not – sort of shutting down and letting, you know, for lack of a better word, smelling the flowers in between, you know, shot A and shot B. How do you handle yeah, a player yeah. like that? Yeah, well, I think Michelle brought up a great point, and, and I think that the breath is obviously the greatest tool we've got as a focusing tool. 
Um, one of the things that I work with my players very, very diligently on, even the tour players, is, again, you can't be focused on your breathing and a problem, a potential problem in the same moment. It's one right. or the other, but it's not both. And so really the best focusing tool we've got out there is the breath. You can't be focusing on the breath if you're truly focused on it, and it's going gonna, it's gonna to keep you in that, in that calm space. But the one thing that I, I would like to add, and this is, I think, the missing component a lot of times in the mind game is we make the breath seem like it's the magic pill or the magic tool. Well, if you get too strong of a momentum of negative energy going, and, and we can probably all attest to this, think of when you've really been in a strong argument with somebody. Well, you've let the you've let the emotion go way 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 too far and in those right. moments even with the breath it's going to take you a while to get settled down so i get asked the question a lot so how do you deal with frustration and the best answer i've got it's never very satisfying to anybody but but it's that you don't get frustrated to begin with you you keep the emotions so strong and stable from the get go that it's like those thoughts don't even appear. Because, again, remember, and, and this is another missed point very often, is that the thoughts that we with, that we notice, what I like to call thought impulses, they really only come to us as a, as a byproduct of the emotional frame of mind that we're in. So when we're in that state of, think, for example, of when we're in the zone, and, and, and as better athletes, we've all been in the zone, well, those thoughts don't even creep into our field of awareness when we're in the zone because we're in that emotional space. And, right. and so really people will say, well, what's the best way to deal with your thoughts? And it's like, you know, it's almost like let's get a little more proactive with this work before we even get out there. And and one of the, the big traps that I see, too, is when people practice, for example, they're not really practicing the mind game because they're out there on the practice range. There's not a lot of nervousness. They're not really that upset. They can yep. accept a lot easier when shots don't go crazy, but they're not developing skills that they need to borrow upon once they get onto the course. Now they right. get on the course, and there's more perceived pressure. There's more bogus stories going on or whatever, and because they've never practiced breathing techniques, um, they don't have anything to rely upon. So, so the brain body starts scanning for something to save them, and it's like there's nothing available in that moment that's going to help them much. So this is why, you know, things like Michelle was talking about, like yoga and breathing and, and, yep. and certainly the emotional mastery stuff that I talk about, these are so critical to amateur golfers and, and really even to tour professionals that a lot of them aren't practicing enough that I just think is really going to take the game to uh, uh, higher levels. Even yoga is just becoming more mainstream, and it's very exciting to me to see these mind-body practices that I think are just going to, you know, I think we're, we're, seeing, um, we're seeing kind of a new breed coming out that's, that is more emotionally right. fit and mentally fit and, and, and in some ways yoga fit and whatever. And it's going to be f fun to watch in the next 10 years. I think we're going to see, you know, almost a, a different kind of evolution in the sports that we didn't have access to before because of these new pra uh, processes and new practices. Uh, right. So I find it very exciting uh, as we do that. Well, and, and, and again, uh, great points. You know, the other thing, too, is, and you hear, you know, I've I've listened to, to you know, uh, Arnold Palmer and, and Jack and, and many of the other 
um, veterans of the game, you know, talk about that it really has become a different game. And, you know, even though with all of the advancements of technology and, and between the, the golf club and the golf ball and, and all the different mechanisms out there to, to, you know, build you the perfect swing, um, you know, it, it's really, and I've heard a number of people actually use this analogy, but um, really the most important club in the bag is the one between the ears. And, you know, you well, can have all of the... I'm fond of saying, yeah, I'm fond of saying, and, and then and then I'm going to be quiet because Michelle hasn't had much time here, but you could take 100 <laughs> golfers. You could take yeah. 100 golfers of, of identical, you know, and, and of course this is a little theoretical, but of identical right. size, identical education, give them identical diets, give them identical workouts, you know, identical swings, near identical swings. You would have two or three that would succeed and 97 that would not. The one yep. factor we still can't measure is belief, and until yep. we tap into higher states of belief, that to me is the missing component that we just, you know, kind of haven't got our heads in. And it's it's the one component we're never going to be able to measure. Um, you can measure lines, you can measure ball flight, you can measure spin rates, you can measure swings, you can measure flexibility. I'm not knocking any of those, by the way. I think no. it's a really, really fun game. And the new equipment is just fabulous, and it's fun to play with the new drivers. I love it, and the new putters. But the yep. one factor still that stands out to me for the making of a champion is belief. And and until we get into that, we're we're just kind of, you know, in some ways I feel like not doing my students a favor. So so that's right. what I really work with them on is how do I believe? How do I believe before I see the proof? And right. and it, that's it, where the real work that I teach. Yeah, exactly. You're you're hundred percent right. Um Michelle we're we're getting towards the, the end here, so I want to give both of you an opportunity. I'm gonna let you have um, a few extra moments here, if you will, and just you know talk about some of the things that as as golfers are coming out of the the woodwork, if you will, uh, especially those that have been up in the in maybe some of the cooler climates. I mean, we haven't really had a hard winter, as I said to Tim in the beginning of the program, but um, there were you know some storms that rolled in here and there up and you know up and around uh, Buffalo and New Jersey and things like that. So, you know, some of the golfers are, are sort of dusting off their, their winter garb and they're getting ready to come out and play. Um, if you were sort of to, to whip together a, a magic list of things, a checklist, if you will, um, what would that be for, for those that want to get out there and, and get rolling uh, and, and playing some good golf? What would you recommend that they, they do to start their season off right? Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> well, Nothing like putting you on the spot. Yeah, I was going to say, it's, well, um, first of all, don't go out and start hitting drivers and, you know, right. trying to hit it <laughs> to the fence, you know, <laughs> and getting that new driver and then getting hurt right off the bat. So I think starting slow, you know, I always believe in just starting with the short game and working back up to the full swing and, um, uh, you know, just, again, going to, to your local professional and working with, you know, a series of lessons uh and again, taking it easy, not trying to go full force just because you want to get out of the house. <laughs> so, right. Um, but you know, I I agree with Tim on a lot of his, you know, with the mental side, and I believe so much in what he's saying as far as the mental side. And I can remember when I was working with McLean and and Tiger Woods was was winning, and I think it was 2000, and they were saying you know there's four parts to the game, and there's short game, full swing, yeah. management, and mental. 
and the guys like Tiger has all four, and there's a lot that are lacking that sure. one, and a lot of that one becomes that mental and the belief and um, yep. and who you are, and so I think a lot of it. That's why a lot of the the yoga in the metal meditational state is key to being in that calm space like Tim was saying you have to be there before you even step out out on the tee and it has to be prepared so prepare yourself before you play golf right. you know it's so instead of just playing golf and not not working on the things you need to work on yeah and the other thing too is I, as I mentioned earlier and because I know that you're uh, certified not just uh, from the teaching standpoint of, of the golf swing and things like that, but you're also yoga certified and, and also fitness certified as well. So you've got a lot of great components. And one of the things that I suggested at the beginning, and I'm sure you would concur, Michelle, is is that I think that in today's game, if you really want to be, and, and it doesn't matter whether you're competitive uh, you know, on, on a, a tour or whether you're somebody that's maybe competitive in your own foursome, um, the physical component is is, is huge as well. Um, you know, obviously the mental is 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 a, a a big big component. Your emotions and so forth. But with so many opportunities out there to to get yourself into good shape, um, but relating to the golf swing, what I suggest is that with so many great certified fitness professionals out there, both golf instructors uh, and certified fitness instructors or a combination of both, that's also, I think, something that needs to be addressed very early in the season to avoid injury in that because, uh, as you said, you know, you want to start off slow, but, you know, you want to make sure that you're working on the right muscles and, and getting a routine down so that when you do get out there sort of hot and heavy in, in full season, you're not coming in there with a bunch of injuries because, you've, you you know, you haven't really prepared yourself properly. So that's something, too, I would imagine that you try to do with a lot of your students is get them sort of physically prepared um, to handle yes, some of the definitely. stresses and that, right? Yeah. Yeah. And, and whether that's, you know, yeah, whether it's yoga yeah, just, or, or other combinations. Correct. Yeah, anything, anything to prepare the body because, I mean, that's, like, that's the most important piece of equipment you have. And if the body's not prepared, then you're risking for injuries and, and then you're out the rest of the season. So definitely that has to be... I mean, hopefully people do have some winter stuff that they are working on because there's preseason and off-season and, and what you're working on as far as with your golf game. But you, you, so you know as well... Yeah, you know as well as I do, Michelle, that there's a, a certainly more than a handful of them that have been sitting in the, you know, as we call the couch potatoes, <laughs> and they they come out to their local professional and say, okay, fix me for the season. I want to, you know, I want to be shooting, you know, whatever under par or, or, or not under par, but uh, true, you know, I want my handicap to to drop ten strokes from last year, and uh, you know, they're looking for this magic formula which just doesn't exist, and you and I know that, no. and, and as, as as well as Tim, so. Um, some some great thoughts there as well, um, Tim. What about yourself? I mean, obviously, again, you're sort of approaching it from a different angle, if you will. But but again, you want to prepare. Um, so, what are some things that you try to get your uh, groups that you're working with uh, focused on at, at the early part of the season? Because not everybody has the the advantage of of being you know in Florida where we are. Uh, there's other sure. areas that maybe they they don't get a chance to to you know to have sure. the full benefits sure. that we do. So, uh, what do you try to do to sure. get them started off right? You know, this is going to sound so simplistic, maybe, but but the one thing I would say is, before every shot, just just get in a good mood, and and really, just get in a good mood, put a smile on your face, and and trust that you know some good things can happen because 
the alternative is getting into a bad mood, and and it just stresses up the body. So, if you want the body to function, if you want the swing to work, just just get into a good mood, and and really begin to remind yourself before every shot, pre-shot routine. Yeah, this is how I want it. This is how I want to emotionally feel right now. It might be optimistic. It might be calm. It might be confident. It might be whatever. But really begin to add that emotional component into the pre-shot routine. And then don't leak the energy after the shot. Just accept it for what it is uh, and move on to the next one with, again, a sense of optimism or whatever. So that really is kind of, uh, that's kind of the key is just, you know, not and, and obviously much easier said than done because we golfers have a very difficult time accepting uh, mistakes. And, um, uh, and you know, even if it throws us off in the weeds, it's, it's so, yeah, just get into a good mood and then everything really to your talent level falls into place. Yeah. You know, something interesting about, about positive energy and I want to give a, a Really, kudos to you, Michelle, because um, you know, obviously, of course, well, we're, we're all connected on on social media, Facebook, and what have you. But I, I got to give kudos to Michelle because um, almost on a daily basis, and I don't know if this is part of something that you you work through, uh, you know, channeling through through yoga or or just you know your your natural spirit. But Michelle always posts. I mean, literally on a daily basis, multiple times a day on Facebook. You know, there's all this other, you know. And, and I'm being polite here, but garbage going on Facebook, and we we all know what it is. Michelle always posts these positive little messages and paragraphs of of you know everything from faith to you know whatever it happens to be, but it's always a positive energy. Um, very quickly, Michelle, explain why you do that, what the importance of that, and the benefits of doing that, and and why it's important to you to 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 uh, to go that route. Well, first of all, I'm a very positive person. I've always yeah. been that way. I, everything has always been bright. Everything there's always uh, there's always another angle. If something's not right, there's always something positive. So I've always tried to express that and try to bring that into my students all the time to try to to see there is no negative. Let's just focus yep. on the positive. There's nothing, and you're not doing this wrong. What are we doing right? So I've never point out this is wrong, you're doing this wrong, it's always, okay, what can we do right, and right. You know, this is what we're going to work on today. There's no, so I think just me and my spirit, and me as a person, has always been an inspiration to help anybody and, and everybody that I can, um, and for me, the gratification is watching people succeed and people mm-hmm. be happy. And I know everybody's not happy, and I think I've had a challenge uh, in the Northeast <laughs> um, coming from California. So right. that has been a big challenge for me. But I think the challenge has been really rewarding to, to change a lot of negativity into positive. And it's still a challenge with my students, but it's um, but it definitely has rubbed off not only in their game but in their life as well. Which, yeah. is, which has been, you know. Well, and 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 the reason why I wanted to, yeah, the reason I wanted to to mention that Michelle is because it really, um, you know, 
goes to not only what you were talking about, but what Tim and I were talking about er, er, a little bit earlier in the program is really, you know, what we focus on, what what you know, baggage, if you will, you're bringing into your daily lives, and if if it's constantly, you know, negative and and you know, overly stressful. Um, you know, that's going to creep into your golf game as well. When you get out in the golf course, if you've had a, a bad day at work or, you know, maybe a, f- a fight with your spouse and things like that. And, and obviously those things in, in the real world, they, they, they can happen, they do happen, but it's how we channel that energy. And, and the reason why I, I wanted to talk about that is because, you know, gosh, to be honest, I, I get tired when I go on the, these different social media sites and I see, you know, in some of the golf forums that it's always talking about mechanics, it's always talking about this approach, it's always talking about the same old things, and there's really very little discussion um, talking about the emotional side. And I think that, you know, whether you're a 25 handicapper or a scratch golfer, emotions can affect how you play in the golf course. And I think if people would just change their attitude, and, and again, you know, you can't be popping a happy pill and, and be walking around <laughs> 24-7. It just doesn't happen. You're going to have your down times, but it's how we handle those moments that is going to make or, or break our day, and it's how we choose to receive it. And and, and again, as, as Tim, as you put, uh, channel it uh, into a positive and learn from that uh, that maybe that negative experience and, and turn it into a positive. And, and Michelle, that's why I wanted to mention that, because you do a great job. And, and I always, I don't get a chance to like every well, single one of them, but, but I know you've noticed <laughs> I've liked quite a few of them. See, that's good. Um, well, I'm glad you like them. That's my yeah, so, so, so keep them coming. Hopefully. Um, yeah. Um, very quickly, Michelle, for, the, for those that, that want to uh, reach out to you, uh, where where are you now and, and how can they go about uh, getting in touch with you if they want to uh, uh, get some help with their game? I will be at uh, Alpine Country Club uh, in New Jersey, uh, Demarest, and April 15th I'll be back. Okay. So I'll be there until October. So I, I do take non-members. Uh, it is members but right. I do teach non members. So uh and then my email is Michelle with one L, M I C H E L E at alpinecc dot org. Perfect. So I'd be happy to work with anybody that wants to work with the physical side and yoga, fitness, anybody that's into conditioning for their game and, and obviously their game as well. So Perfect. perfect. Yeah. And uh and for some good positive energy um, yes, they definitely want to. They want to connect with you. That's right. Great job. Um, yes. Tim. Tim, you as well. Um, you know, any final thoughts, and then let the folks know how they can reach out to you as well. Yeah, best way to reach me. Um, I'm at Club Med Academies now in in Port St. Lucie, Florida, and I've got uh, I've got events going on there every week. Um, actually, expanding into some parenting classes now, uh, mm. which is pretty exciting. Um, and very challenging. Um, I do some some stuff for businesses and, and of course, golfers. Um, started programs now on the yips, uh, no. being a huge, <laughs> uh, yeah, a huge yeah. Emo- emotional topic. And you know, and and so, uh, but a lot of great programs going on there. Best way to reach me uh, is through my website, which is myspiritofgolf.com, or uh, just contact me at Tim at myspiritofgolf.com and I'm there a lot but I, I also travel the country to uh, to some of the private clubs and uh, do uh, clinics for, for members there and um, so I get around and would love to uh, to go to any course and uh, you know and just do a clinic they're, they're fabulous and you know we have a lot of fun and um, it's just it's it's been very rewarding to uh, to be able to you know even even help the the golfer who's a thirty forty handicapper you'd be amazed yep. at, at 
And I'm sure Michelle can attest to this, that, that when we just get them in that happier, better space, their progress just improves at whatever level they're at. They don't have to. I think, I think that maybe that's the biggest misconception is that the mind game is limited to really good players and nothing could yeah. be further from the truth. Yeah, it, no, it really is something that everybody could benefit from. Yes. Right, definitely. exactly. Yeah, and, and mm-hmm. I think a lot of it too is I think um, the the higher handicap golfers focus too much on the numbers. They're too concerned about the score. They're too concerned about getting that handicap down and not really focusing on things. Um, you know, I, I, I'm always – I look at things this way is, is you know, again, going to – and I hate to date myself here coming up with these old sayings, but, you know, for every action there's a reaction. And, and you know, I, I think that if people would focus on – the key areas that they need to focus on, not just on the physical parts of the game, but on the emotional and some of the things that we talked about tonight, the numbers will take care of themselves over time uh, much quicker than if you're constantly worrying, well, you know, I want to get down to a 10, I'm a 20 right now, you know, what do I got to do and, and how can I change this? And they, and they get so caught up in the number and, uh, of, of their handicap and they get so caught up on the mechanical side that they forget to, you know, as I said, what's going on between the ears and what's coming out of their mouth a lot of times um, dictates how they're going to play as well. So great job, uh, guys. And, and Tim, uh, thank you, for as always, for coming on uh, and sharing your, your thoughts as, as well. And, and Michelle, thank you for, for uh, joining us here. I appreciate you guys giving of your time. I know it's not always easy. Um, we got lots of things to do during the day and keeps busy, and, and uh, it's not always, uh, not always sometimes convenient to have to come on and, and chat for an hour or so, but I appreciate you giving of your time, and, and I know that the audience enjoys it, and that's why I keep bringing this uh, panel discussion back. So uh, to both of you, much continued success. I look forward to you coming back on, on future panels and, and guest appearances, and uh, keep up the great work, and, and, and thank you very much, uh, sincerely, for, for all, Thanks, all that you guys thank do. You. Thanks, Yes, great thank you very much. Thanks. Appreciate right. it. Take care. Yep. Thanks. All right, have a great bye. night. All right, bye-bye. Okay, bye-bye. Okay, that was my uh, my two special guests. I was glad that Michelle was able to, to join us here uh, a little bit later on. Uh, uh, I, I think there was a, a misunderstanding on my part uh, with the, the time difference. I thought she was up in New Jersey right now and, and on Eastern time, but uh, I wasn't aware that she was down in California. So I think there might have been a miscommunication on my part. So that's why she uh, joined us a, a little bit later. But I'm glad she did. She had some great points to make. Um, as I as I tried to you know elaborate through the, the program here, one of the reasons why I really like this coach's uh, corner panel discussion is, you know, I, as much as I'm sure you're all aware from listening to the show, uh, you know, I, I love to talk, but I also want you guys to get some other viewpoints besides just mine. So um, as much as I want you to come and listen to me, uh, I want you to listen to my, my guests and, and special guests and things like that uh, as we pr- progress through the year. Uh, I'm going to do a lot of, of discussions like this throughout the year. Uh, and having great guests. I'm going to try to have them very topic-specific to some of the guests that I'm coming on. Like, For instance, you know, Michelle, again, is very uh, certainly uh, good on the emotional side, but also obviously very uh, good on the physical side of the game as well. And Tim, of course, specializes in, in that, that emotional channeling and, and things like that. So that's why I was glad to have him on board as well tonight. So, uh, again, a very special thank you to Michelle Tremarchi and, and Tim uh, Kramer for, for joining me on the Coach's Corner panel tonight. So this was number one for the season, uh, 2016. It was the first uh, Coach's Corner panel, and uh, we've got many, many more. Uh, we're going to have lots of great discussions. Um, we want you to join, though. One of the things that I want to really try to encourage this year, so for those of you listening now, um, to the live broadcast, 
um, and those that are going to be tuning in later. Um, Coach's Corner, of course, traditionally, I, I ran a little bit longer tonight just because, as I said, to give Michelle some, some time to come on here uh, since she was a little bit later joining us. Um, but normally it's the first hour of our two-hour broadcast uh, from 6 to 8, uh, or sorry, 6 to 7 Central uh, is the Coach's Corner panel discussion. Normally I'll have two to three uh, teacher professionals or, or coaches, uh, what have you, uh, joining in the panel discussion with me. And uh, one of the things that I'm going to try to do this year as well, as I, as I mentioned it to uh, uh, Tim off the air, is I'm going to also try to get some uh, special guests to join us that uh, specialize in, in key areas of the golf game um, and uh, want to give them an opportunity to discuss uh, that area of, of expertise and then get the panel to jump in and, and, and uh, have some dialogue and discussion. And for those of you that tune in, what I want you to get from, from these panel discussions are, are really twofold. Uh, number one, I want you to, to sort of think outside of the box. I don't want you just to sort of constantly um, focusing on the numbers, you know, focusing on your score this season. I want you to make 2016 the season where you're going to make change. Um, instead of just sticking with the status quo that you've been doing for the last, you know, several years, depending on how long you've been playing golf and just, you know, going out to the range and raking the balls and hitting them and, you know, working a little bit here, working a little there, maybe taking a lesson here and there. Uh, I want you to really get focused and some of the, the different tips and training and advice that we're going to be giving here in the coaches corner panel uh, in 2016, uh, like we did here tonight is really going to start focusing on, um, you know, the, the sizzle in the steak, not just, uh, you know, not just the steak itself, but we're going to get into some of the meat and potatoes, if you will, uh, of the golf game and really start talking about some of the key areas that I think people need to focus on, um, if they want to play their best golf. And, um, you know, I, I mentioned the four factors of golf that I um, feel very strongly about, uh, and I'll quickly read them off again. And, and again, I'm, a little bit later on as we go, I'm going to explain um, what I, why I'm bringing them up and why I'm sort of repeating myself here about it. But really, I, I believe there are real, really key, uh, four key factors to playing your best golf, and they are uh, position, uh, approach, recovery, and scoring. And I'm going to get into much more detail as we go on. Uh, and, and explain the reasons why I'm doing that. But um, those are things that I, I want to, you guys and, and gals out there to, to understand. So um, thank you for joining me. Uh, just a, a quick special thanks to some of the uh, supporters and, and sponsors of the show. Uh, Mr. Jonathan Laird, of course, from South Coast Golf, South Coast Golf Guide. Uh, great supporter of the show. Um, go to southcoastgolfguide.com. Uh, South Coast Golf Guide is a uh, publication uh, that comes out uh believe every quarter, if I'm not mistaken, yes, for every quarter, uh, literally covers uh, the southeastern part of the United States from Texas right over here to Florida. Uh, and in there are some great golf courses that you may want to play if you're coming to visit our area. So uh, go to South Coast Golf Guide, navigate around, uh, dot com, excuse me, uh, around the website and you'll see some great um, uh, information there. And uh, if you want a copy of the guide, if you're not down here yet, uh, but maybe planning uh, coming down here in the next few months or sometime through the year, uh, you can get a current copy of South Coast Golf Guide, and it's got some great golf courses that maybe you haven't played yet uh, and want to know uh, some information about them and how to get in touch with them and how to uh, book tee times with them and that. All the information, contact information, of course, is in the guide uh, for each of the courses that are featured. And all those states, Alabama, you know, uh, Florida, as mentioned, uh, Mississippi, Louisiana, and of course, uh, uh, elsewhere in the Southeast, um, 
you can get that information in that guide. So go to southcoastgolfguide.com. My good friend, Mr. Jonathan Laird, will be more than happy to make sure that you get a copy there. Uh, you can request it dire- directly from the website as well. Uh, Meredith Kirk, who's going to be a guest here in a uh, little over a month's time, uh, go to meredithkirk.com. She's a great teacher professional, uh, LPGA uh, teacher professional, uh, teaches many, many great students out in the Myrtle Beach area, uh, does a lot of great things. And as I've mentioned numerous times, she was the 2014 Mrs. South Carolina winner. And she went on to compete also in the Mrs. USA uh, competition the, the following year and uh, did very well there. Didn't win, of course, uh, in the Mrs. USA, but uh, did very well nevertheless. Um, thank you, Meredith. She's going to be coming on here in about a month and a half time, I believe, uh, to talk some golf with me and, and uh, fill me in on what's, uh, what's happening in the world of Meredith Kirk and lots of great stuff there. She's been on the, the show before and really great guest. Um, Mr. Nikki. Uh, and Tiffany Litherland, uh, Nikki, as I've mentioned numerous times, uh, is going to be coming on the show here, and uh, I'm waiting to hear back. Um, we've been trying to coordinate a date here, and um, I won't get into specifics, but uh, Nikki had been dealing with some things uh, on a personal nature that has prevented him from coming on earlier than than uh, he would like, and uh, so we're still trying to hammer out that date. But he's going to be coming on. He's a great golf professional, and his wife, of course, his lovely wife, Tiffany uh, Litherland are big supporters of the program and always helping to spread the word each and every week. Um, so thank you for all of your continued support. And Nikki, I look uh, forward to having you on the show here real soon. Uh, Mr. Bernie Pinder, good friend of mine as well from Ontic Golf. He's the founder and, and president of Ontic Golf. A uh, great line of customized putters, uh, which I am and the proud owner of one. Uh, thank, thank you, Bernie, for that. Uh, great supporter, go to onticgolf.com, which is a brand new website uh, they just launched uh, and actually, I am the developer of that uh, new website. So if you want to check that out uh, and see some of my skills at, on web design, you can see them there at onticgolf.com. And you can actually purchase uh, right there. There's an online shopping uh, ability short store, if you will, that you can purchase some of the great products. But uh, great line of customized uh, putters uh, at onticgolf.com. Um, Mr. Peter Doyle from Doyle Golf Solutions over in Ireland, a great teacher professional and also a great club fitter. Uh, he's also a big proponent and great uh, uh, great follower of the program and really helps to help spread the word uh, over in Europe as well about uh, Golf Talk Live. So uh, I want to thank all of them for all of their continued support and many, many others. Uh, Mr. Barry Goldstein, uh, been on the show a number of times, him, uh, uh, Barry and his uh, lovely daughter, uh, Carly Ray, for coming on the show numerous times. And I'm going to have them back here uh, before too long. But I want to take this opportunity uh, finally, to thank all of the listeners worldwide for faithfully tuning into Golf Talk Live each week. Uh, I truly do, and I mean it sincerely. I have a great uh, deal of pleasure and enjoyment of having a number of highly talented coaches, teaching professionals, and authors uh, and entrepreneurs stop by the show. And it's really uh, through their participation as you experienced tonight and their guest appearances that helped to make Golf Talk Live a first class show. So, on behalf of, again, my special guests tonight, Michelle uh, Tamarchi and Tim Kramer, thank you very much, and thank you for all of the listeners. I will see you next Thursday at 6 p.m. Central right here on Golf Talk Live. God bless everybody and have a great week.